Thank you, everyone, for joining us for another Inside Lyme podcast with Dr. Daniel Cameron. In this episode, we'll be discussing the case of a 63-year-old man who developed symptoms consistent with ALS, but who also tested positive by spinal tap for Lyme disease. Hello, Dr. Cameron. Hello, Darlene. Before we dive into the case, can you first explain what ALS is and what some of the typical symptoms are? From a neurology perspective, there's two systems. There's a sensory system and a motor system. So if the neurologic involvement is mostly the sensory, you might think of multiple sclerosis. If it's affecting the motor side of the nervous system, then it's called ALS. And part of that's an old term called amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, or Lou Gehrig's disease. And this is a, a disease with progressive motor neuron disease problems. Uh, so how was this man um, diagnosed then with ALS? In July of 2018, this gentleman developed paraparesis, that is weakness of both arms. And there were some cramps in the shoulder uh, and hand muscles. By uh, August, which is a month from when he um, first discussed this weakness, he described severe impairment in everyday life activities. So when I um, talk to someone with ALS and see someone with ALS, uh, it's very common not only to have the muscle problems, the weakness problems, but uh, they often have rather severe impairments. Some of them, um, if they progress, might progress uh, to uh, an inability to walk or an inability to lift their arms much. Uh, they can have atrophy of their arms uh, and it can progress. So they're so weak, they have troubles with uh, catching their breath or swallowing. Often when I work with an ALS patient, the pulmonary doctors continuing to check their pulmonary status because they could lose uh, pulmonary function enough and they would have extensive respiratory problems. This gentleman hasn't progressed that far. I should also mention that the classic ALS that I've seen and has been described in the literature, they uh, have uh, a lifespan that might only be a year. But um, that's changing quite a bit because uh, with the various test sets out there, a lot of uh, people with ALS uh, are um, finding themselves um, in company with people with motor disease that isn't just one year. So you'll hear stories, uh, and I've seen patients, they've been sick for two, three, four, five years. And so instead of the stereotypical one year of life, I have people living for years with that diagnosis. I think there's more people with motor issues that that are being included in, in this group. Okay, now you say that the pa the ALS patients that you work with, but are these ALS patients who also have Lyme disease? I have people who come in where they've been diagnosed with ALS and because Lyme disease is a consideration, I'll be looking at it from that perspective. The hope that I have and the patients have is that there's a reversible cause of ALS. Neurologists have for years noticed that some people who have ALS 
will get better with an antibiotic. There have been trials where they tried to use menacin, which is in a tetracycline family. They've tried intravenous antibiotics and the results are mixed. So whenever the results are mixed, uh, doctors are reluctant to make uh, Lyme disease your typical treatment for ALS. But I find, and others have found, that uh, even if only a few people get better with the antibiotics, it's worth looking a second time at whether uh, Lyme disease is a trigger for the ALS. And a lot of, uh, or, or some of these ALS patients too, as you say, have the motor issues as a main, as a main symptom. And so do a lot of Lyme patients, right? They may have gait problems or, or balance problems. Well, I, I see sensory issues much more common. So they come in being told they have multiple sclerosis, but there's a relatively small number of people who fit the Lou Gehrig that progressive motor neuron disease problem that I see. But uh, as with any problem, when you work with Lyme disease so much, it's even a few patients are uh, in need of a comprehensive evaluation to look for a treatable cause of their ALS. Now, this patient, the 63-year-old man, he was a little bit different in that he reportedly had a tick bite uh, in the year prior to developing the ALS symptoms. Uh, yes, uh, lots of people don't uh, see a rash, don't have the Bell's palsy, don't have heart issues. Many of them don't, might not even have a tick. Uh, in this case, given the tick uh, bite history and given the, the concern that the patient had over a possible cause, they came into the doctor and the doctor uh, included a Lyme test when they did a spinal tap. The Lyme's Spinal tap showed evidence for Lyme disease. The spinal tap was posited by an IgM and an IgG titers. These are both early and late markers. And the blood tests showed positive Lyme tests called an ELISA and an IgG Western blot. An extra measure to show that this is an important finding in a spinal tap is that the the antibodies in the spinal tap were higher than what was in the, the blood test using the IgM markers. And that's important because when we're looking for reversible causes, looking for some kind of evidence, having an elevated white count and an elevated antibody level in the spinal fluid uh, would obligate the doctor to look a second time at Lyme disease. In this case, the clinician treated with a three-week course of IV antibiotics. Do you, do you think that was sufficient? Well, I find that some people get better on three weeks of antibiotics and some do not. The fact that this gentleman was sick with progressive weakness of both arms and in the shoulder area for at least six months uh, meant that I would not be comfortable um, stopping therapy after three weeks, and other doctors would disagree. I think that there should have been some further testing for other infections called co-infections from a tick. I might have gone longer, or I might have tried an oral antibiotic strategy. In fact, because intravenous is more invasive, they have to have a, an, a central catheter 
in the arm, I will also consider starting with an oral antibiotic followed by intravenous. That doesn't mean everybody gets better, but even people who don't have ALS uh, will often benefit from other treatment schedules. And so I would assume that the ALS patient should at least um, have the potential for other treatments offered to them, given how severe the ALS is. Did we discuss, have, have you seen cases of motor nerve disease in your practice? I have seen patients with motor nerve problems. Some of them get better, uh, but I have others that have failed treatment. This particular patient uh, had treatments for Lyme disease, but failed. So the authors concluded that this patient had ALS. Now, my concern with Lyme disease and ALS is that anybody who has a chronic disease, it's always good to look at multiple possible things that can get reversed. Uh, Unfortunately, this particular gentleman didn't get better with the antibiotics that were prescribed. Now, other authors have discussed the association uh, between Lyme disease and ALS as well. Is Is that right? Yes, the Halperin, who's a neurologist, had discussed his concern with the possibility that patients with uh, ALS uh, have positive tests for Lyme disease. He wrote that there needed to be larger studies to show this association. In the editor's note, you discuss a Harvey and Martz paper. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about what they concluded? One of the authors had ALS. He was treated with uh, several antibiotics and uh, did quite well. And uh, when I got to meet with Dr. Marks at subsequent meetings, because he's a um, well-known uh, doctor who has treated motor issues, he, he's uh, shared uh, both his success and some other successes. He's found that, yes, if you already have atrophy of your arms and legs, it's very difficult to reverse that. But there's other presentations of ALS that he has found uh, that antibiotics are effective. And so they just shared that experience in the journal Acta Neurology Scandinavia in 2007. And what would you like listeners to take away from, from this podcast? I find that medicine is challenging because even if you have a diagnosis, the chart says you have a diagnosis, the specialist writes a consult note that it's important to at least leave Lyme disease on the list of possible diagnoses. Lyme disease is famous for mimicking other diseases. And even if there's only a few cases that turn out to be Lyme disease, uh, it's worth uh, treating. This author made that same decision. Unfortunately for this patient, they didn't get better. But I think that with any chronic disease, one should always look a second time. uh, And uh, that's part of uh, what most doctors do, just include Lyme disease on that list of possible diagnoses. Well, this is certainly an important topic, and we thank you for talking about it. And we look forward to more in the upcoming Inside Lyme podcasts.